This is Pastor Derek Thomas of Living Witness Ministries, and I want to welcome you to the Living Word Podcast. I pray that today's teaching blesses you, inspires you, and encourages you to live a life worthy of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords that we serve. God bless.
And I want you to know that the Unity family, if I can speak proxy for them, continue to pray with and for you. And the LWM family, I will speak proxy for them. It's praying with and for you. My brother, Elder Ware, to Elder and Lady Fulbright in their absence, to the mothers of the church and here, to my heart. See, I told y'all to say that. To my heart. My wife, uh -huh. That's wonderful. you've heard me say before, and I'll continue to say, people make the mistake of saying when they are affectionate towards something that they love it from the bottom of their heart. That's inaccurate. It's from the center of your heart because that's the most intimate place. Because at the center of your heart is this space. The Word talks about that He prepared for that one that. That, that can dwell there, that only God can dwell there, and that soulmate of yours can dwell there. So I love you, my heart. Amen. So now that all the pleasantries are out of the way, let's pray. Father, we thank you and we praise you right now for this time together. We thank you and praise you for your word, Lord God, that you prepared for your people. Your word is always prepared, Lord God. So we pray that you prepare the vessel that you've chosen for this moment, oh God. Saturate it in your anointing, O oh God, that everything that's unlike you would be burned up like chaff and removed, O oh God, and that you would speak boldly, you would speak clearly, you would speak consistently and concisely to your people. We bind the hand of the enemy right now and everything that would hinder your word from going forth, and we loose the liberty, Lord God, that's here because the Bible declares that where the Spirit of the Lord is, indeed there is liberty. So we ask you to have your way, O oh God that souls will be saved. Have your way, O oh God, that lives will be changed. Have your way, O oh God, that signs, wonders, and miracles would follow because we believe, O oh God. And as you do, it will be mindful to give your name the honor, glory, and praise forever. Let every heart in agreement say, Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you as you stand, hey man, what's going on? If you have your Bible, I love children. If you have your Bibles with you where you stand, please turn with me to the Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 11th chapter. We're going to deal with, I call it the disciples portion of the chapter. That's the first 12 verses. Amen. Amen. 12 is a number of discipleship. In case you haven't caught on, I'm big on names, I'm big on words, I'm big on numbers. And what you'll find written beginning with verse 1 in Matthew chapter 11, and I'm reading from the New King James Version of God's Holy Word, says... Now it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples that he departed from there to teach and to preach in their cities. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, are you the coming one or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said to them, go and tell John the things which you hear and see, the blind see and the lame walk, the, the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Mm -hmm. As they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet, for this is he of whom it is written. Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. 
Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not arisen one greater than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he, verse 12 says. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Turn to somebody near you and ask them this question. Say, neighbor. Neighbor. Are we going to stand around all day? Or are we going to fight? Come on now. That's the question. Are we going to stand around all day? Or are we going to fight? That's good. That's what the Lord asked me in putting this together. This had a totally different title, Pastor. Please be seated, please, in the presence of the Lord. This had a totally different title. And my intent was to go a, a totally different way. But as I sat and, 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 and grappled with all that's been happening, as I, as I sat and, 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 and tried to process and, and tried to explain away what, what's been going on, and, and I turned on the news and I saw what was happening yesterday in Atlanta. I said enough is enough. My mother always taught me that if you don't have something nice to say, all right. don't say nothing at all. So I held my tongue throughout everything. I held my tongue through all that happened in Minneapolis. I held my tongue through all that happened in all the places leading up to Minneapolis. And I, I was feeling some type of way just to keep it 100 with you. But I'm like, Lord, I'm not going to disrespect you. I'm not going to look ignorant to you. I'm not going to make myself look like a fool. I'm not going to make myself look like a hypocrite. And then Atlanta came along. All right. I hear you. And as the Lord took me into the word, I'm like, God, I, I got to say something. So I got to say something, but I want to say something in a way that pleases you and it's productive and not counterproductive. Where do I start, God? What do I say? How do I do this thing? And, and of all places, he took me back to a book that I read a long time ago called The Crisis. And Thomas Paine wrote in The Crisis, and I quote, these are the times. The try men souls. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will in this crisis shrink from service of their country, but he that stands by it now deserves the love and thanks of both men and women. Tyranny, like hell, is not easily conquered, yet we have this consolation with us. Okay. That the harder the conflict, uh -huh. the more glory. The triumph, amen. I hear you. The harder the conflict, yeah, yeah, yeah. The more glorious the triumph. Yeah. Which brings us to our text today. Uh-huh. Now in the text we find John the Baptist here and, and, and his disciples in, in, in a theological crisis uh -huh. of their own. Yeah. They're, they're being challenged to the degree of commitment to the cause of Christ that they have by, by, by having to wrestle with the reality of the degree of commitment that it takes yeah. to do this thing yeah. called ministry. Yeah. I hear you. See, this thing called ministry is not a nine to five proposition. Uh -huh. 
I was taught a long time ago, vocationally, I've done sales all my life, and I was told by my mentor that sales is a 24-7, 365 proposition. There is no off day when you're trying to sell something to somebody. There is no off day when you're serious about being all that you desire to be. There is no off day if you're trying to go to the next level. There is no off day of doing this thing better than everybody else, because while you're sleeping, somebody in the competition is doing something to make you look bad. That's it. All right. So many of us want to be like Thomas Paine said. They want to be summer soldiers. They want to be sunshine patriots. Let me put it this way. They want to be fair weather friends. They want to be no cloud in the sky believers. They want to be when it's all good Baptists. They want to be when the going is easy Methodists. They want to be the no drama Kojic. They want to be individuals that don't want to go through anything. But I'm here to let you know that you were inducted when you said yes to Jesus into God's army, which means you've got to go through your basic training. You've got to be willing to get into the deep because my Bible tells me that deep calls to the deep. I hear you. But so many of us want to stay shallow in our worship. We want to stay shallow in our ministry. And if I could just break it down, downshift just for a second. The word ministry, if you really translate it literally, means help. That's what the word ministry means. So when you stop and think about it, if you want to take a summer soldier dynamic of helping somebody, that means you want to help them when it's convenient for you. That means you want to help them when it's comfortable for you. That means I, I want to help you financially when I just got paid and I got next to $100 in my pocket. Last time I checked, trouble doesn't wait to fit into your agenda. Last time I checked, trouble doesn't give you a call or text or send you an email saying, excuse me, I hate to be a bother, but I'm about to wreak havoc in, in your brother or sister's life in about 10 minutes. Is everything good for you to do it? That's not how it works. That's it. That's it. And this is what John and the disciples were, were wrestling with him. And, 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 and they, were, they found themselves at, at a spiritual crossroads. And, and this same battle rages in us today, church. It rages in our buildings. It rages in our pews. Dare I say it rages even in our hearts right now. But, but our text here is imploring us to not take stances like summer soldiers and, and sunshine, sunshine patriots. But, but instead to realize that the battle is real. That the stakes are eternal. Yes. And that in this crisis, all truly is fair yes. in love and war. Amen. Yes. Everything is fair yes. in love and war because you are fighting for your life. Amen. Yes. Whether you believe it or not, you're fighting for your life. And let me let you in on a little secret. You're not only fighting for your life, you're fighting for the lives of those whose lives you're going to touch because our lives don't belong to us. That's true. That's true. Every year what I do during the Lenten season, I read The Purpose Driven Life. Amen. And day one always brings me back to my center, which leads me to my first point, because we got to commit to the cause of Christ. Amen. I mean, be fully committed. We're quick to say fully persuaded. But it's one thing to be convinced to do something. Uh -huh. But it's another thing to actually go out and do the something that you're convinced of. Yes. 
We got all kinds of folks running around saying, I'm fully persuaded that neither life nor death nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come, nothing will separate me from the love of God which is found in Christ Jesus except that I got to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning. Well, yeah. <laughs> right. I'd like to sleep. I don't want to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning. Can we do this at 8 o'clock while I'm getting dressed for work? Nothing should separate me from the love of God which is found in Christ Jesus. But, but Lord, this is this, this, this Taco Tuesday. Do I have to fast on Tuesday? <laughs> right, That's right. good. That's good. Nothing should separate me from the love of God which is found in Christ Jesus. But God, you told me to bless who and they did what? All right now. Yeah. Come on, man. But here's the crossroads that we find ourselves at. And every time we do that, we see God doing this. I, I, I love movies. And, 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 and those of you that know movies know that I pull that line out of one of the Kingsman movies. And, and what happens is that in the midst of us fussing, God will tap us on the shoulder. Uh, excuse me. Are we going to stand around or are we going to fight? Because we got a war going on. I don't have time for you to be playing pity pat. I don't have time for you to wallow in your self-pity. I don't have time for you to be hauled between two opinions. I don't have time for you to act the part and look the part and not be about my business. Are we going to stand around or are we going to fight? So, committing to the cause of Christ we do that in three ways, and I'll let you know real quick, and I'll sit down. The first way we do it is by trusting God's insight All right. and not your intel. Amen? That's it. You got to trust God's insight yeah. and not your intel. You don't believe me? Yeah, I'll tell you. My pastor taught me a long time ago, and if you say something, have a word to back it up. Right. Look at verses 2 and 3 in Matthew 11. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ... He sent two, the number of witnesses, he sent a witness to his disciples and said to him, are you the coming one or do we look for another? Ain't that about something? Now let's break that down. So John's disciples were out there and in the midst of being out there, they ran into a man named Jesus. And in running into Jesus, Jesus said, look, I know who y'all are. Who you are. Y'all come on. Mm -hmm. come on. I want to show y'all something. Mm -hmm. He began to do signs and wonders. Mm -hmm. He began to do miracles. Mm -hmm. The blind were given sight. Mm -hmm. The dead were being raised. Uh -huh. Stuff was being happened that like in medicine can't be explained any other way. You can put as many letters after as many people's names as you want to, but at the end of the day, you've got to say that God is God in the midst of the situation. So in the midst of God being God, Jesus allowed John's disciples to see that. Yet here they come. There was in that summer soldier mindset. Okay, it's about to get deep now. We about to go into the deep water, so we need to make sure because I, I don't want to get my I don't want to get my tunic dirty. Because mm -hmm. if I get my tunic dirty, I can't go back in the temple. I, 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 it, it's not payday yet. I didn't catch no fish, so I can't go buy no new sandals. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I, 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 I've got to figure this thing out. So so it's interesting here. It says here that 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 that, that uh, John introduced Jesus. As the one who'd bring fierce judgment. He'd been talking about it. 
He said that this individual is coming. I'm not worthy to unbuckle his shoes. If you think I'm somebody, I ain't nothing. Wait till my big brother shows up. Because when my big brother shows up, it's about to be some smoke in the city. When my big brother shows up, it's about to be one. When my big brother shows up, he's going to make you feel some type of way that you don't want. I sincerely hope your blue cross and blue shield is paid up. Because when my big brother shows up, but a funny thing happened between them bumping their gums and the time to fight. See, when fight night came, they had to go back and ask. And ain't this about something? They had to go back and ask the one pastor that they saw do all the signs and wonders and miracles. See, the enemy got in their mind with this little thing called fear. I'm just finishing a series on faith. And going into a series on warfare, so bear with me. This is a transitional message. So fear is false evidence that appears real. And many of us make the mistake of forgetting from whence we came. We forget who we are. The word talks about us looking at ourselves in the mirror, just turning away, and as soon as we turn away, we forget what we look like. We forget that we're the glory of God. That means we're the reflection of God. We forget our lineage. We forget that we're sons of the most high and brothers of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We forget the quality of what went in us. Because Genesis 1.26 said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. That means we walk like God. We talk like God. We think like God. We act like God. We're the representative of God. We're the liaison of God. We're the ambassador of Christ for all nations. Yet in the midst of that, what we do is we allow the false evidence that looks real. To get us so frustrated, we're looking around at everything and God, I wish you sent a way out of here. God, I wish you sent a plan of action. God, I don't see the way out. I don't understand what's going on. The intel that I'm getting, God, because you trained me as a good soldier to pay attention to my intel. The intel tells me that I'm surrounded. The intel tells me that I have no way out. But last time I checked, my Bible lets me know that my God shall supply all of my needs. All of According to his riches and glory, yes, sir. which are housed in Christ Jesus. And because of that, I'm not going to fear. Because my rallying cry is not going to be, but God, why should I? My rallying cry is the word. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Because I know that I'm more than a conqueror through him that loves me. So I'm not going to stand around having a pity party. I'm not going to waste my time or energy paying attention to that bogus intel that the enemy sending in. Because it's false evidence that appears real. But instead, I'm going to face this thing. Uh-huh. Now, let me clarify. Make sure this mic is working. I did not say fake this thing. That's right. That's right. I said faith this thing. And I'm speaking about faith here as what we as soldiers of the cross need to do. And that's exercise. And faith here is a verb. You heard me say fear was false evidence that appears real, right? So what I put on that false evidence that appears real is a dose of faith. And my acronym for faith is fully accepting God's intervention to help us achieve victory. Amen. Amen. So every time that false evidence that appears real pops up in my head, I don't even, I, I don't even entertain it. I go to God and say, God, I'm fully accepting your intervention. 
to help me achieve victory because your word says that I should be in a constant state of casting all my cares upon you because you care for me. I'm fully accepting your intervention, God, to help me achieve victory because you said to call upon you and you'll hear me and you'll answer me and you'll show me great marvelous works that I know not of. Father God, I'm fully expecting you to intervene on my behalf to help me achieve victory because you said if when we pray, we believe and not doubt, we'll have whatsoever we say. So if I could go to, to Lieutenant Joshua just for a minute. Joshua said in 1-9, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So we don't have to worry about the intel. We don't have to worry about us being outnumbered. We don't have to worry about it looking like we're surrounded. That's one of my favorite worship songs. It might look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by the God, by my God, because the word tells me that a thousand will fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, but it's not gonna harm me. That's why I wasn't I wasn't concerned when Corona showed up, because that was my prayer every day. I don't care, God, if I'm the only one on the street. Your word tells me that a thousand will fall at my, at my side and ten thousand at my right hand. So I'm praying covering over my wife, I'm praying covering over my kids, I'm praying covering over my father. I'm praying coming over my grandparents. I'm praying coming over everything that you've given me dominion and authority over because you said in your word that life and death are in the power of the tongue. So I'm exercising my rights. Yes, I'm exercising my rights to do what I've been called yes, to do. Lord. And I'm not going to stand here. See, I understand it's time to fight. And I don't know about you, I'm not a fighter by nature. But I like seeing a good fight every now and then. I know that sounds morbid, I do, but just go with me here. I like seeing a good fight now and then because I know that when the fight is over, especially if there's two combatants that are evenly matched, I know that the victory is decisive. I know that there's no doubt who the victor is. That beef is squashed. And if you really want to make it good, throw a belt in there on top of it. Throw a championship in there. Because now you've got catch this. Now you got bragging rights when it's over. Can I let you in on a little secret? We're the belt, church. See, there's a battle going on between God and the devil. See, the, 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 the kingdom of darkness is trying to come against the kingdom of light. And we're the prize. We're the belt. But I'm here to let you know that the fight is fixed. We already know who wins. You don't believe me? Go to the last word in the last book. The last word in the last book. Amen. Amen is from a word that literally means trustworthy. That literally means trusting. That literally means trusting. So I'm here to let you know you can bank on the fact that we won. You can bank on the fact that we've got victory. You can bank on the fact that God's in control. You can bank on the fact that we're not just here to stand around. We're here to fight. And we ain't here to fight. We're here to win. Amen. See, I just didn't come to contend. I came to take this thing. And that's what we're talking about, taking this thing, which leads me quickly to my second point. Not only must we have to trust God's leadership, but not his intel, but secondly, we got to have both sight and vision. Amen. Got to have them both. Got to have them both. I tell, I've told, I think, pretty much everybody I've loved at least once in my life. 
Are you listening to me or do you hear me? Because see, there's a difference between hearing and listening. That's true. Hearing is physiological in nature. We all got ears. And Revelation dealt with that. Let him who has ears hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. But there's a reason why the word says many are called, but few are chosen of. Many people hear the calling. Many people hear what they're supposed to do. Many people hear God say that I need to pull you out of this season of complacency into a season of activity. But when they sit down and process it, they don't like what they see when the processing is over. They don't like the commitment it's going to take. They don't like the inconvenience that's going to come. They don't like what it's going to cost them. So they just kind of hear it and think, well, I've heard it. That's good enough. I'm here to let you know it's not good enough. It's not good enough. God needs us at our very best at all times. Because at our very best at all times, we just make it an end by the tip of my fingernail on my pinky finger. Because the Bible says that at our very best, all we do as it pertains to God's sight is nothing more than filthy rags. Last time I checked, none of us want to go anywhere dirty. But God is saying, I love you enough to accept you even in the midst of your stuff. All I need you to do is fully and completely commit to me. All I need you to do is fully accept my intervention to help you achieve victory. All I need you to do is put your faith in action and let me be God in the midst of the situation. But here's what we do. Here's what we do. What we do is we get caught up in religion. Remember I said there's a difference between hearing and listening. Many of us hear stuff religiously. Men that are in the audience and maybe some of the ladies here too, when football season does come back, guys will tell you, I'll watch my team religiously. I mean, it's on my to-do calendar every Sunday at noon, every Sunday at 3 o'clock. We're not going to get into the differences of the football teams because we got, we got an issue, but I love my wife anyway. <laughs> but when we do it religiously, catch this, we're doing it out of a sense of routinization and habit and not out of a sense of commitment and volition. And what God desires us to do is not do this thing religiously. It's easy to walk into church and sit in your same pew that you sat in for decades and that your mom sat in before you and that your grandma sat in before her. It's easy to come in and fight and do what you need to do to have your seat every week. But if that engrafted word is not being engrafted in you and changing something in you on the inside so that the things that you feel you have to do stop feeling like things that you have to do and become things that you want to do, you not Listen yet. Yeah, all right. And God is calling us to listen. You can't be an effective soldier if you're not listening. There's a saying in the military that when you disobey orders, people die. When we disobey orders in God's army, people die. If you can't say amen, say ouch. It's the truth. When we disobey the commandments that God gives us, people 
die. They may not die physically. They might die emotionally. They might die spiritually. Their hope might be that they might be killed in them. Their desire might be dashed. We don't know what it is because we didn't build them. We didn't make them. All I know is is that what we've got to do is not only have the sight to see the person right here, right now, because what we're looking at right here, right now, might not be in the form that God ultimately wants them to be in. That's why the word says despise not humble beginnings. Despise not humble beginnings. And I'm going to tell you why. Jesus put it this way. It's the little foxes that trip people up. It's the little foxes. That humble beginning that God brought into your life. That he's saying, listen to me. I need you to pay attention to it. I need you to sow into it. I need you to nurture it. I need you to love it. I need you to chastise it. I need you to care about it. I need you to prop it up. I need you to, to do what you need to do. God, that don't make no sense. That's pulling me away from the work that I'm doing. That makes no sense, God. That's pulling me away from what I got going over here. Don't you know I got TV deals waiting? I got this waiting. I got that waiting. God stops you in your tracks. Uh. Is there anything worth more to you than your soul? This is soul business, ain't it? Whether you believe it or not, we're soul men and women. We're king's men and women, but our business is souls. We're being trained in God's army to be the individuals, to be the Navy SEALs, if you will, that go in and get the souls that nobody else can go in and get. Nobody else wants to go in and get. Nobody else thinks it can be gotten. Everybody thinks they're a lost cause. God is letting us know we can go in there and get them, but we've got to be in tune and in touch with the Spirit to the point that when God says go left, go left. When God says go right, go right. When God says open your mouth, open your mouth. When God says shut up, shut up. Because when you do that, nothing sneaks up on you. When you do that, nothing surprises you. When you do that, nothing rattles you. Because God sees and knows everything. And to illustrate that point, Jesus went through asking one question three times. Three is the number of empowerment. He asked the question three times to activate their vision. He asked them three times, what do you see? What do you see? And the first answer was, I see a reed, da 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 I see what my eye shows. Said, okay, that's fine. But what do you see? Then it got a little bit, a little bit closer. It became a little more abstract. Okay, but really, what did you see? So when the four words of good news were positioned to the believers to be empowered when they truly listened to the word, that's when they tapped into the reality of we see a prophet, we see a man of God, we see someone on divine assignment, we see somebody that is somebody in the spirit. That's what God is getting us to, wants us to get to. He wants us to get to the point to move out of our religion, to move out of our religiosity, to move out of our we gotta do because we have to, because we're here to do it, because we want to. This right here is a filling station for us that have said yes to Jesus. This right here is where the iron sharpens iron so that we're all more lethal when we go back out there against the enemy. This right here is where people that don't know Christ come in to get salvation, come in to get indoctrinated, come in to swear to the army, come in to get basic training, come in to get delivered, come in to get prepared so they can go out and make a difference. But in order to do this, we got to have both sight and vision. So you can't have one without the other. 
Because when you have vision and no sight, you become so heaven-minded that you become no earthly good. Amen. But when you have sight and no vision, you're, you're in that, I call it that B-movie mindset, Pastor. And for those of y'all that don't know what B-movies is, I know I'm dating myself. My father loves westerns. And a B-movie is one of the movies when the bad guy's being chased by the good guy on the horse. And they ride by the same rock like 10 times because it's just like a gigantic loop. And that's what happens. The enemy puts us on a gigantic loop. And we think we're going somewhere. We singing, on my way to heaven, and I'm so glad. 99 and a half won't do, Lord, I'm running, trying to make 100. And God's like, you ain't trying very hard because you're doing zero right now because we're in a loop. I need you to get out of the loop. I need you to let me in. In the midst of the loop, God jumps in. He said, we're going to stand here or we're going to fight. Because while you're spending all kinds of energy running the loop, while you're doing all kinds of ecclesiastical exercises to make yourself look good, while you're going through all the religious calisthenics you can to make yourself look deep to your conversation, there's a great big old wide world out there that needs your advocacy, that needs your justice, that needs your protest, that needs you to cry loud and stand not, that needs you to open up your mouth and stand for righteousness sake, that needs you to do what Jesus Christ did when he said, I didn't come to take sides, I came to take over. So we, like the audience in our text here, got to be aspired to not only have sight, but we got to have vision so that we can be effective soldiers of the cross. Yeah. I could turn your attention to, to Lieutenant Colonel David for a minute. When you a super soldier, I'm not saying just any soldier, because God don't do anything halfway, man. Amen. He called us to be super, because with his super imposed over our natural, we can do the supernatural. And when we start doing the supernatural, people begin to notice. And God wants us to be noticed. He wants us not only to be noticed on this plane in earth, but he wants us to be noticed on the supernatural plane in hell. He wants, he wants the devil to know, yeah, that's one. Go ahead, try it if you want to. See, David made it quite clear what you're supposed to look like. I wish I had David here to show it. It says here in, in, in Psalms 18 and 29 that, that when you get in me and you're super, superimposed over my natural, and I stop just hearing you, God, and start listening to you and start truly letting my step be ordered by you, it says here that for you, God, I can run through a troop. For you, God, I can leap over a wall. For you, God, I can do all things. For you, God, I don't have to feel like I'm bound by this flesh. Because I can step out of this flesh anytime I want to in prayer, anytime I want to in fellowship, anytime I want to in ministry, anytime I want to in listening to you, oh God. Because I've allowed you to be you in my life. Because I'm tired of standing around. I'm tired of looking at situations like Atlanta. I'm tired of Minneapolis experiences happening. I'm tired of doing these things man's way. And I'm ready for God to stand up and be God. But I have to remember as I go to my last point, that I can't just do it any kind of way. I just can't go rogue out there and do how I want to. You know how it is. When a person goes rogue, that means they got all the training, but now they're a danger. Now they're a hindrance because they've got the training and no discipline. They out there doing it on their own. They're following their own intel. They're following their own sight line. They're following their own vision. But we've got to remember the last and most important point. Uh -huh. 
And that we've got to follow our head and not our heart. Amen. And I need you to get that. I'm not talking about this. We need to follow our head and not our heart. We need to follow our head and not our heart. Because when we follow our head, what he does is he puts all that emotion and stuff on the back burner. He puts all that stuff on standby. He, he puts us in, in, in mute. You know how when you put somebody in mute. I've been learning a lot as I've been working from home. The importance of mute. That's right. Because when you have a conference call, you got all kinds of folks on the phone. Uh -huh. And somebody's trying to make a point. Yeah. You always got that one person. Always. That one person. Always. That's got a situation going on in the background. Always. That's a five alarm fire. That don't use, that doesn't use a mute button. And you trying to get a point across. And just the point becomes prevalent. You hear Johnny, don't set the curtain on fire. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> but the enemy comes on the spiritual side to steal and to kill and to destroy. He lives in chaos. His life is all about static. He loves intrusion. He loves interruption. He thrives on interference. But God is letting us know that we've got to hit the mute button on the enemy. We've got to follow the head, the our head, our king of kings, and our lord of lords as much as we want to act some type of way, as much as we want to burn something down, as much as we want to do something that's contrary to the word. We've got to remember what the word says to pray for those that spitefully use us because in doing that, we're heaping hot coals on their hands. Set the fire that way and let God do the burden. So, in our text here, and I'm almost through, what Jesus is doing is highlighting the point that John is somebody that you'll need to mess with. Because John understands what was written in the Proverbs that to everything there's a season and a time for every purpose unto heaven. John was sitting in jail wondering, what do I do now? I mean, I thought that he was the one. I thought that he was the one that was promised. He, he had all the signs. What do I do now? What do I do when I don't know what to do? What you do when you don't know what to do is fully allow God's intervention to help you achieve victory by realizing that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. By realizing that morning by morning, new mercies you see in God. He's already made provision for your mess up, but he needs us to understand that his faithfulness is greater than our mess up. So as long as we're willing to let God be God, as long as we're willing to let God stand where he's supposed to stand, as long as we're willing to let God sit on the throne of our hearts, we can look at the situation and say, you know what? I've stood around long enough I know who my God is. God, I hear what you're saying. You may not understand what's going on. You may not have given credence to it, but I thought long and hard about this. I've sat back and not said anything. I've propounded the evidence. I've halted between two opinions. And now, here's the conclusion of the matter. The kingdom suffers violence, but the violence taken by force. I'm a king's man, and God has called me to fight, so I'm getting ready to square up. I'm getting ready to look the devil in the eye. And I'm getting ready to say, not today for my children, not today for my family, not today for my church, not today for my health, not today for my ministry, not today for anything. For anything that you're trying to come at that belongs, not to me, but to God. Because understand, we're just caretakers. 
We don't own anything. We're just passing through. So in passing through, God has called us to be active and faithful stewards of what he's entrusted to us. So as I take my seat this morning, I submit to you today that though we're in a time that tries our souls as men and women, we got to realize that we're sick and tired of being sick and tired. That as we stand in protest, as we stand in advocacy, as we stand for righteousness sake, we got to realize that above all else, we're standing on the promises of God who said that if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then and only then will I hear from heaven, will I forgive their sins, and will I heal. I pray that you were blessed by today's word. The Bible tells us that if we confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, that we would be saved. If you've never taken the opportunity to do either one of those things, won't you join me now in prayer? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I come before you a sinner. I believe that you sent your son to die that I might live. I believe that he lived, died, rose again, ascended to heaven, and is coming back for sinners just like me. I confess my sin, I ask you into my heart, and I ask you into my life. Thank you, Lord, that by faith I am now saved. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I'd like to welcome you into the household of faith and into a loving relationship of salvation with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Please email me and let me know of your experience or if you have any prayer requests or praise reports, please email me. The email address is livingtowitness at gmail.com. That's living, the number two, witness at gmail.com. Until next time. This is Pastor Derek Thomas, encouraging you to live your life as a living witness.